Till I'm tiptoed you. Dot com. The podcast about pop culture, black history, and spirituality. Yeah. It's about to be a great vibe. Dr. Tip. Gonna take it away. Till I'm tiptoed you. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell Em Tip Told You. It's your girl, Dr. Tip, and I am so ready to jump in on today's topics. So today I want to talk to you about hashtag ADOS, the American descendants of slaves, uh, folk on Twitter and other social media. We're going to talk about them and how I think black educators Hey, y'all, this is evidence that we failed some of our students. Um, We also are going to talk about the eight-year-old who was arrested in Lakeland, Florida for not saying the Pledge of Allegiance, not standing for the Pledge of Allegiance, excuse me. And then we're going to talk about Jussie and these memes y'all got going around. And then I want to wrap up with something I think we all need to hear a little of. All right, so let's just jump right into this hashtag ADOS. I unwillingly fell into the fray um, earlier this week on Twitter. excuse me, someone posted a statement by one of these hashtag ADOS members. And it was so ahistorical that I felt like I had to jump in and say something. And in the exchange, what became clear to me is that, hey, fellow black educators, we are failing our students. So let me give you some background on what hashtag ADOS is. So there were a group of uh, people posting critique of Kamala Harris and Cory Booker when they announced their presidency. And rather than directly responding to the critiques that were being levied, folks like Angela Rye, Joy Reid, and these other um, relatively conservative, quote-unquote, liberal uh, black news personalities responded saying that these were Russian bots, like the tweets were coming from Russian bots and they were to uh, basically divide black voters on these issues and to critique black politicians without merit, et cetera, et cetera. Now, on the last couple of episodes, I've already told you how I feel about Brother Corey and Sister Kamala and they don't have my support either. Like I got hella criticism for the two, but I'm not a Russian bot. So I think Angela Rye and Joy Reid and others who directly jumped into calling them Russian bots were um, misdirected. I don't know if we say that's intentional or unintentional, but listen, black folks with political literacy don't have to support all black candidates. Like we can think critically about things, about policy that matters and come up and decide that the melanated candidate may not be the best one for black folk. Like black folk can have an agenda that doesn't necessarily say we vote for every black politician just because they're black, right? We don't have to do that. And so in that way, I understand what ADOS is saying. And if somebody correct me, do they say ADOS? Like I've only seen the hashtag. So is it, are they saying ADOS? Are they saying ADOS? So they got some other cute little name. I don't know. Somebody hit me up and tell me at Dr. Tip at Tell Them Tip Told You. But um, let me say this. So the founders of the hashtag, a brother out in California, an attorney, Antonio Moore, and a sister who is listed as a quote unquote political commentator, Yvette Carnell, are the ones who started this hashtag. And they came out rather vocally on a series of YouTube videos to express the idea that they're not Russian bots, okay? So 
I'm going to say that all the tweets that are coming out aren't Russian bots, but we know that there is a population of black folk who are in agreement with hashtag ADOS political ideology. Here's the problem I have with them. It's not necessarily that they're critiquing these two candidates. I have critiqued these two candidates. All right. So that's not the issue that Tiffany has with hashtag ADOS. The issue I have with them is that they are ahistorical. They operate without a nuanced understanding of diaspora. Here's what I mean by that. The reason they've selected the name American Descendants of Slaves is because they want to privilege the experience and the conditions of those of us who were born on U.S. soil to descendants of enslaved Africans. Now, I'm not quite sure how they want us to make that distinction, because if we know anything about slavery, we should know that there were movements to and across the Atlantic. We don't know who was born here, who wasn't born here. There were movements in and around the Caribbean. There were internal trades. What, like, uh, how exactly do you want us to be sure that we're not the descendant of some free African on U.S. soil or some free African who was in Mexico, which later became the United Like, what do you want us to do? Where, where exactly do you want us to decide that we're the descendants of enslaved people? Now, I have absolutely... No problem with being the descendant of an enslaved person. In fact, I'm quite proud of that. It says something to me about the kind of strength I've inherited. So I'm not running from the identity, but what I'm saying is you demanding that all of us trace our ancestry to that demonstrates that you don't understand how transatlantic slavery occurred. I don't understand what they're they're trying to do other than they are trying to separate the U.S. experience of black folk from the diasporic experience. And I'm not quite sure how you can understand history at all and not understand how problematic that is. So on the, 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 the Twitter thread I got pulled into earlier this week, a brother referenced, because the sister was trying to say, this Ados sister was trying to say that U.S. black folk are on their own. We all we got, Right. And a brother responded and he said, you know, throughout history, it has been black folk collectively, those born abroad and those born in the United States who have fought for civil rights and things like that. And he referenced the UNIA, Marcus Garvey's um, organization, as evidence that there have been global movements towards black freedom. And the sister said, yeah, but that was in the history. If it were really happening today, you wouldn't have to go so far back. Uh, I'm going to need you to know the UNIA. There are people still in, uh, you know that's not over, right? You do know that's not all the way gone. And you do know they had chapters in the United States too, right? And throughout the Caribbean and on the continent. You, you know that, right? I don't think she knew that. I don't think she understood that. Like it was obvious from her tweets that she did not understand that. It was obvious to me that she does not know that we just recently celebrated the anniversary of the first Pan-African Congress called by W.E.B. Du Bois. Like, did she know that? Like African people understand or have historically understood. Let me correct my language. Some African people have historically understood that black folk, regardless of their geographic location, experience blackness. And yes, there may be nuanced differences between how blackness operationalizes in Nigeria as opposed to Australia, as opposed to Canada, as opposed to Guam, as opposed to Southwest Georgia, but it's still blackness. 
And Eidos seems to be operating in a vacuum that doesn't allow for them to think about the long-standing traditions African people have of uniting across time and space. Like, I don't understand how... I, I just don't understand how you can forget the ways that white supremacy have attempted to separate us for the purpose of controlling us and then turn around and create rhetoric to generate willingly rhetoric that continues to seek that division. Especially when we know if we look at some of the most powerful movements we have experienced, they have been the result of a pan-African global consciousness. You can't celebrate hip-hop and not understand that that's a diaspora phenomenon. Those were brothers, yeah, located in the United States, but from different ethnicities, from different parts of diaspora, coming together to create beautiful things together. The whole period of enslavement is evidence of these different, different African ethnicities coming together to create life in the midst of death. Like, how do these people who are so-called learned not understand that? Now, so let me say this. Just because you're not a Russian bot does not mean you are not being manipulated by a white supremacist educational system that has raised you to be devoid of historical and cultural understanding. Because if they understood history at all, then they understand black resistance movements have always had a global awareness to them. They've always been parts of different ethnic groups, different African populations fighting together for the good of the whole. So I, I, I wanted to talk about that. I'm not going to spend much more time on that, but I wanted to bring it up because I think it becomes evidence that black educators are not doing everything we are supposed to do to help our students understand connections to global citizenship. We don't necessarily, especially those of us in public schools, we don't necessarily do a good job of helping our students understand how their experiences are inherently tied to the experiences of black folk in other places of the world. In fact, I know we don't because I know what the standards say. The standards say we don't do that. So unless you've got a master teacher bringing in alternative sources, and I'm not saying this is impossible. I know folks like this, right? Brother Tony Muhammad, I'm going to give him a shout out in, my, in Miami, does this. Bringing in outside, outside sources to supplement the standards that are written in our uh, textbooks, in our curriculum. So we've got teachers doing that, but there's not a lot of evidence. And when, when, I, when I look at a phenomenon like hashtag ADOS, I see evidence that the educational system continues to handicap black students by not allowing them to see the fullness of what it means to be black. That's not a U.S. thing. Blackness is not a U.S. thing. Stop trying to make it that. When you try to make it that, you are limiting it. And it's showing me that you don't even understand James Weldon Johnson, y'all know I love the Negro National Anthem. He was Bahamian. We can't look at U.S. history as evidence that U.S. black folk are exceptional. We are not. We are part of a whole. 
And while I'm on black educators, let me say something else that I'm going to give you the unpopular opinion right now. I really enjoy that a lot of you are sharing pictures of these beautifully decorated doors in celebration of Black History Month. And y'all, I've been biting my teeth, biting my tongue, and holding my fingers. Because what I want to do every time I see one of these pictures is turn around and ask the teacher to see their lesson plans for next month. Because <laughs> I want to know. Like, it, it, it's easy to celebrate Black History Month aesthetically. It's easy to be that Black teacher. But once February is over, sis, bruh, what's your lesson plans looking like? What are you teaching our babies? Because listen, y'all, uh, some of you already know, I, I'm an assistant professor at HBCU. I can't tell you how often I have to teach them who W.E.B. Du Bois even is. How often I have to teach them who Booker T. Washington is. How they only know Rosa Parks, Ruby Bridges, and MLK because that's what the standards say they're supposed to know. So some of these same teachers out here uh, blowing up on social media because they have these beautifully decorated doors, you're not teaching it. So let this be your accountability check-in. If you're an educator who loves black folk, uh, your lesson plan should demonstrate that love. I'm going to leave that there. Let's go into this 11-year-old in Lakeland, Florida, who was arrested for not standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, the substitute teacher that the brother had, the young brother had, um, told him to st stand up during the pledge, and the little boy refused. And as a result of that, was disciplined by being arrested. And there are two ways I want to go with this. Two things I want to talk about. There are far, far, far too many people in the U.S. public educational system who don't love our children. Take with that and do with what you will. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is there are too many people involved in the U.S. public school system that have no working knowledge of civil rights, and legal rights. There is nothing illegal about what this young man did. The fact that his principal, that his teacher, that no one on the staff thought it a bad idea to call the law demonstrates that there is another kind of problem there, right? And that is the vilification of black males. I'm going to leave that there. You do with it what you will. When confronted about the boy being arrested and what he was arrested for, school officials thought it smart to say, well, he wasn't arrested for the pledge per se. He was arrested, get this y'all, for not complying with instructions. What does that sound like? That one of our students can refuse to comply with instructions that in his own mind don't serve his best interest, and then he has a criminal record for it? That sounds a whole lot like slavery to me. For not complying with directions? Like, what kind of punk-ass teacher and principal is this? <laughs> because if you can't discipline a student without calling the law, you have no business calling yourself an educator of any kind, at any level. 
What do you mean you he wasn't following instructions? So he now he got a record. He's eleven. Parents, listen to me. Our children are under attack, and if you aren't involved by sitting in on school board meetings, attending PTA meetings, I'm going to say you are silently, tacitly agreeing with a system that would villainize black youth. We have got to start holding these schools accountable. And that means we have got to be involved. We have got to be present. We have got to be seen. We have got to be vocal. And we have got to organize. Even if, now I believe that it can. I believe that those things can have a difference in how policy are Passed and enacted. I do believe that. But even if it didn't, imagine what it would do for black students to see an entire community operating in support of their safety and well-being. Imagine what that does for them to see that, to see us actively engaging in their educational process. Somebody other than their mama and daddy and mama and daddy too. What would that look like to black youth? to have all of us fully invested in their future. I think that's where our power is, and we have overlooked it. How many of you can name the people on the local school board? I just gave that assignment to to my teacher ed students last week because they need to know. These are elected officials. Now, here's my extra challenge for those of us who are grown. Look and see who these people are on your local school board And then look and see what their background is. Because I'm going to tell you here in the state of Georgia, you know what the requirement is to sit on the school board? A high school diploma. Now, in case you don't know, here is what the school board is responsible for. They're responsible for hiring, firing in the district. They're responsible for how the money gets spent in the district. They're responsible for, here's the kicker, interpreting curricula and standards evaluating teacher performance and student performance on those curricula and standards. These are people who aren't trained in education. How the hell are you going to tell me if I'm a good teacher or not? How are you going to tell me if my students are learning or not? You've never even worked in a classroom. So that's my challenge for everybody that's listening right now. Google your local school board. Find out who these people are and look at their backgrounds. And then understand that it is important for you to show up at the meetings. Understand that. It is important. This is not a plaything. When we go to vote, we often skip that section because we don't pay attention to who's running for school board. Like, that's one of those fluff, unless we know somebody at our church who's running or this person that work at the bank with me running. You know, we really don't know who's running for the school board, and we just skip that section or we just vote for, you know, who, the names that look friendly or the names that look black, let's be honest. We can't afford to do that. Our babies need our protection and our engagement, and we have got to be involved. Now, I couldn't wrap up today without talking about Jesse Smollett. I'm not getting into whether or not the brother lied. I just, I don't. Someone posted on Facebook, and I shared it on my Facebook page. I just, I'm never going to believe the Chicago Police Department before I believe a black man. I just, that uh, no, that's not going to work for me. I don't believe this. I don't believe that he's lying the way they say he's lying. I think there's more to the story that none of us know, but I don't think he's lying the way they are trying to say he's lying. I just don't believe that. Fight me. I don't. Um, But I want to say this. 
There are far too many of us who were happy when we heard that he was indicted. Because in the back of our minds, we never believed him in the first place. Never mind that we know white supremacy is real. Never mind that we have evidence that the Chicago Police Department has lied. Never mind that we have evidence that white supremacists have put their hands on black folk before. Never mind that we know all that. We were too happy to believe that Smollett would be the one fabricating the truth. There is something pathological there that we got to unpack. I don't know that we love each other in the way that we're supposed to. Because remember that love is patient and it's kind and it's understanding and it doesn't boast. It is not proud. You know, you, we know what love is. Love doesn't look like how we responded to this story. We got to work on that. We got to work on that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up with love, right? I'm going to take it there. This is February. We're still in the month of love. It's still Black History Month. I'm still celebrating. Y'all know I'm 365 Black, but you know, it's a time to celebrate. So I'm going to share with you um, something I wanted to share with my students this week and was unable to just because of how logistics works. I really wanted to have um, to show Beloved on campus this week because I think it's important for us to celebrate Mama Toni Morrison. And Baby Suggs Holy is probably my favorite character in any novel I have ever read. Baby Suggs Holy, and Bea Richards playing Baby Suggs Holy, is the quintessential African maternal wisdom vessel that I've ever encountered. Like, Baby sucks, like even the name, baby sucks holy. Like what what would it mean to put holy on the end of your neck? Baby sucks holy. I love that. But anyway, I'm getting a, you know, I'm drifting. Let me get back to what I wanted to do. I read this out loud to my students because I couldn't show them the movie. And they talked about how great it sounded. So I wanted to read it to you because I think we all need to hear it regularly. And maybe if I put it on this podcast, you can download it and listen to it whenever you need to. So, you know, this What I'm about to read you was one of Baby Suggs Holy's sermons that she did in the clearing. And it is easy for those of us who care about black folk to look at pop culture, to look at the news, to look at what happens to us politically, economically, spiritually in a lot of ways, and not sometimes feel completely discarded. And in that feeling of being discarded, it's hard for us to learn to love ourselves. But baby sucks holy. Mm, I told you she the truth now. Let me me just go on and read you Toni Morrison's sermon from Baby Sucks Holy. Here, she said, in this here place, we flesh. Flesh that weeps, laughs. Flesh that dances on bare feet and grass. Love it. Love it hard. Yonder, they do not love your flesh. They despise it. They don't love your eyes. They just as soon pick them out. No more do they love the skin on your back. Yonder, they flay it. And oh, my people, they do not love your hands. Those they only use, tie, bind, chop off, and leave empty. Love your hands. 
love them, raise them up and kiss them, touch others with them, pat them together, stroke them on your face because they don't love that either. You've got to love it. You. And no, they ain't in love with your mouth. Yonder out there, they'll see it broken and break it again. What you say out of it, they will not heed. What you scream from it, they do not hear. What you put into it to nourish your body, they will snatch away and give you leavens instead. No, they don't love your mouth. You got to love it. This is flesh I'm talking about here. Flesh that needs to be loved. Feet that need to rest and to dance. Backs that need support. Shoulders that need arms. Strong arms, I'm telling you. And oh, my people, out yonder, hear me. They do not love your neck unnoosed and straight. So love your neck. Put a hand on it. Grace it. Stroke it and hold it up. And all your inside parts that they just as soon slop the hogs, you got to love them. The dark, dark liver. Love it. Love it. And the beat and beating heart. Love that too. More than eyes or feet. More than lungs that have yet to draw free air. More than your life-holding womb and your life-giving private parts. Hear me now. Love your heart. For this is the prize. That's Baby Sucks Holy. From Toni Morrison's beloved page 89, let me tell you when I tell you that that right there, I'm going to need you to listen to it at least once a week for a while. Fall in love with yourself. Like when I read that the first time, it, it brought me chills and it gives me chills every time I read it. When we look at how Brother Jesse Smollett is being treated, I hope he loves himself. When my baby that's 11 is put in handcuffs at a school, I hope he loves himself. When Kamala Harris catches the criticism from Ados and her daddy, I hope she loves herself. And you, when you wake up in the morning and when you go to sleep at night, I hope you have the strength and courage to love yourself. Because yonder they do not. I thank you for joining me today. I'm going to spend the rest of my day trying to love on me. And, and let me say this before I close out. Touch yourself. Touch yourself. Touch each part of you and thank it. All right? All right, so that's the end of what I wanted to share with you today. I did want to ask if you know anyone who would like to be interviewed and be a part of the Tell Em Tip Told You podcast, there is a link on the website. So go to the website, www.tellemtiptoldyou.com and send me a message. Take care. Have a good one, y'all. Tell them tip told you. Bye.